0: In a study titled Creative Placemaking 2.0, Anne Godwa Nicodemus, Principal of Metris Arts Consulting, writes, Funders, arts administrators, and other people trying their hand at creative placemaking have found their way to me. Because I co-authored Creative Placemaking, the 2010 white paper for the National Endowment for the Arts, Mayor's Institute on City Design, I'm an authority. Yet folks get through to me with a cold call or email instead of waiting for an announced webinar from the National Endowment for the Arts or ArtPlace or trying to read between the lines of application guidelines. Many of their questions are the same. I get asked, What is creative placemaking, really? Grantmakers want to know how they can best support it and the most effective creative placemaking strategies. Prospective creative placemakers want to know who across the country has tried or is attempting work similar to theirs and the lessons they've learned. Across the board, people want to know how to substantiate and quantify impact. And then there are the wary, long-time arts advocates who wonder if this is just the non du jour for the creative class economy frame or if we're dangerously putting too many eggs in one basket. The words of Anne Godwa Nicodemus from the study Creative Placemaking 2.0. Metris Arts Consulting was principal author of a more recent report, and that was titled We Making, how arts and culture unite people to work toward community well-being. And that report ties together creative placemaking with social cohesion. Social cohesion, we're told in the report, is a basic requirement of healthy communities, especially now since the COVID-19 pandemic has inflicted trauma and exposed social, racial, and health inequities across the country. The report shows that place-based arts and cultural practices, or creative placemaking, can help grow social cohesion to encourage community well-being. And one of three examples given in that report is Tamaqua, Pennsylvania. The Tomaqua case study centers on advances over the last five-plus years in the community, including establishment of the Tomaqua Community Arts Center, the Dear Tamaqua in a New Light series of events, Tamaqua has heart, and the Tamaqua Area Community Partnership's Choose Happiness Framework. With arts and culture as an important tool, the partnership has addressed and will continue to meet the challenges from decades of economic disinvestment. That from the report We Making How Arts and Culture Unite People to Work Toward Community Well Being. Principal author, Metris Arts Consulting. And today, Anne Godwin Nicodemus, Principal of Metris Arts, is our guest on ArtScene, and she prepares us for tonight's Keystone Edition Arts. At 7 o'clock on WVIA-TV, we will focus on Tamaqua, Pennsylvania. We will have as our guest Sunil Iyengar, Director of Research and Analysis for the National Endowment for the Arts, Micah Gursky, Executive Director of the Tamaqua Area Community Partnership, and Leona Riga, Executive Director of the Adams County Arts Council, former Director of the Tamaqua Community Arts Center, and Godwa Nicodemus.
1: So We Making is an evidence-based framework for how arts and culture unite people to work towards community well-being, and it started in 2018, a group of National funders, including Kresge, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, they tapped my company, Metro Arts Consulting, to map the relationship between place-based arts and cultural strategies, social cohesion, and increased community health and well-being for all. And so, I know that's a lot, but essentially, we were we were charged with putting together ideas in new ways to develop. You can think of it as infrastructure, but thought infrastructure that could serve as a powerful tool. So if if your community uses or wants to use arts and cultural activities to work towards community well-being, you'd be better able to articulate how and why it works if you familiarize yourselves with the uh, ideas and resources in the we making suite of materials.
0: And social cohesion is one of the terms that you use. Yes. What does that mean for us?
1: social cohesion, it depends on who you ask. Uh, Lots of different disciplines have different interpretations and nuances, and that was part of our challenge, was really looking at all of these different academic disciplines and how practitioners use it, and trying to figure out where the commonalities were. But the definition that we arrived at is when individuals feel and act as part of a group that is oriented towards working together. I want to just kind of clear the air that it's not necessarily a good thing. (laughs) So you can have social cohesion as a tool of oppression, or it can cause harm. So for instance, think about dominant groups that may be cohesive. They can hoard power or resources and opportunity and exclude other groups. Or sort of on the other side of this spectrum, you can think about gangs, and they're very effective at cultivating social cohesion, but the group norms that they enforce, like criminal activity, are harmful to, so- to society as a whole. So it's not necessarily uh, good in and of itself, but social cohesion is linked to a lot of really great things like positive social health and well-being outcomes. And so if you can improve social cohesion it can be part of the process of helping communities achieve better and more equitable community well-being. And particularly, we were interested in communities that experience racism, oppression, or structural disinvestment. How can we help those communities sort of leverage the disparities that they're seeing in terms of health and community well-being versus other communities? So I think it would be clearest if we kind of bring it home and talk about Tamaqua and use that lens to understand what is a pretty complex topic.
0: And Tamaqua did something remarkable without your template to work with. That's
1: right. That's right. They they did it all on their own. And, you know, the practices here aren't new, but it's putting them all together and sort of understanding how they fit combining research and practice to see what the body of evidence is. That's what we were able to bring to the table. But what, they, what Tamaqua did helped us develop the model that now other communities are able to, to use and rely on.
0: And they relied on writing letters, in one instance, to their town. Dear Tamaqua, they involved 700 people or so in this kind of exercise?
1: I think that's the right number, and not just letters, but imagine you're sitting at the neighborhood bar and order beer, and the the barkeep puts down a coaster, which is totally blank, except for the prompt, Dear Tamakwa, dot, 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 and you get out a pen. So they really, they really made efforts to engage people from all walks of life, you know, people going to the bar, uh, school children just sort of cutting across community, to try to figure out what people thought about Tamakwa. And then those sentiments were reflected in a variety of creative ways. So volunteer actors performed the Dear Tamakwa letters. An artist made large signs featuring messages from the community. Musicians set these community submissions to song. They even had an inflatable tunnel that you could walk through with illuminated submissions up on the wall. you know, you would remember what you wrote in that bar on your coaster, and then you'd see what your fellow citizens were thinking in these dear Tamaqua letters. So it was just a really interesting example, and it all came about basically because they didn't like the results of a survey. <laughs> in 2011, Penn State conducted a survey all across Pennsylvania. and. They showed that Tamaqua had the lowest levels of interpersonal and community trust out of all the Pennsylvania community surveyed. Residents reported that there was nothing worse than life in Tamaqua and that the community was doomed. So, you know, people didn't like that. They didn't like those (laughs) statistics. And the Tamaqua Area Community Partnership and its arts center decided to try to do something about it. And that was the genesis for this project, the Dear Tamaqua in a New Light.
0: The fascinating thing is they revisited that Penn State survey team and said, okay, we've done something, come
1: on back. Exactly. So they actually had the post-project data, and that was one of the main reasons we highlighted this project in the We Making Resources, because it was one of the few examples where there was you know, really hard evidence for the benefits of this type of work. In 2016, in the follow-up study, the researchers from Penn State found significant improvements in the reported connectedness, expanded networks by forming new connections and trust with one another, and the communities feeling like their voice mattered. Another factor that really makes a difference is having a consistent presence in the community. So this project was spearheaded by the Tamaqua Area Community Partnership, the nonprofit that aims to advance the quality of life in Tamaqua. And in 2012, it restored a vacant historic church into the art center. So that served as this anchor hub for the community. So the organization is grounded in the community and it's built on its achievements over time. So not just sort of a fly-by-night endeavor, but, but having this roots and depth of connection from which to build on. And the last sort of factor of arts and cultural strategies that seem particularly effective is when they're aligned with community change goals to reinforce the desired impacts, such as community building or social cohesion. So Dirk Tamakwa, that was its explicit objective. They were trying to change those Penn State survey results. And so then you can sort of ask, all right, well, how did it make a difference with social cohesion? What What's the secret sauce, right? And what, our model unpacks is that social cohesion is made up of different drivers that are interconnected. So if you look at Deer Tamakwa to sort of make it clear, one of them is place attachment. And so the prompt Deer Tamakwa, it allowed people to articulate and strengthen their relationship to the town. Another is social capital. And the Deer Tamakwa project offered residents a way to form new connections with one another. And then we have civic engagement and mindset. So the arts activities themselves, they provided this low barrier for entry for civic participation. So penning a letter to a town in a bar. And in terms of mindset, the installation, it helped increase residents' understanding of each other's experience. And it helped them see their fellow residents as part of a community that can really move forward together. So that's sort of a lot of how arts and cultural strategies might influence social cohesion but then you still have to ask, so what? You know, social cohesion to what end? And in our model, we explore how social cohesion can enable coordinated community organizing and activity and lead to increased equitable community well-being. So I know that's a mouthful again, but if you just make it concrete with, with Tamaqua, subsequently they developed large-scale public art events that that aim to move from voicing the past towards developing a community-driven vision for the future in which residents work together to achieve a common goal so they developed shared values they increased collective efficacy they took collective action so so this project really laid the groundwork for people to be able to work more effectively together to articulate and realize the change that they wanted to see so social cohesion it can have all of these different positive Benefits, improved mental and physical health, the celebration and preservation of culture, creative responses to trauma and racism, and civic capacity for change. And the fact that you have that follow-up survey results from Penn State, it's already suggesting the gains in civic capacity in Tamaqua, but then you can look at other evidence such as two doors down from the art center, they opened a drop-in coffee shop for folks to have a safe, sober place to meet up. And the other thing about the Deer Tamakwa project, it really shows how long some of these efforts can take. They unfold over time and there are these feedback loops. They don't always unfold in a, in a neat linear fashion.
0: The question we follow with, and it's still early, about other communities looking at the We Making report around the country and saying, we could do something like this. That's already begun to happen.
1: Yes. And one of the things that's really exciting is that our collaborators at the University of Florida Center for Arts and Medicine, they just recently launched a companion website with practice examples from across the country where communities are are doing work that fits into the We Making framework and specifically working on struggles for racial justice and the recovery for pandemic. You know, interestingly enough, a lot of the work that we did on this this framework preceded the COVID-19 pandemic, but we found that the results of it were incredibly timely and powerful, but this companion website allows us to sort of freshen up the, the work. And for folks that are interested in the uptake of the ideas and the concepts. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, they can look at this variety of practice examples and condense their own learning curve. So that's pretty exciting.
0: Anne Gardwa Nicodemus, Principal of Metris Arts Consulting in Eastern Pennsylvania, speaking with us about the special report from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Kresge Foundation titled Making." How Arts and Culture Unite People to Work Toward Community Well-Being. The Tomaqua case study is one of three from across the country, positive examples of the key principles we've been speaking about creative placemaking and social cohesion. We have been able to invite a representative from the National Endowment for the Arts, from Tamaqua, and now Adams County, for a show this evening, a live show, Keystone Edition Arts, this Monday evening at 7 on WVIA-TV. Tamaqua, PA, as we know, one of three communities in the U.S. featured in that 2021 report by the NEA and the Kresge Foundation, And we have as our guests Sunil Iyengar, who is Director of Research and Analysis at the National Endowment for the Arts, Micah Gursky, Executive Director of the Tomaqua Area Community Partnership, and Leona Riga. She is Executive Director of the Adams County Arts Council, having been for eight years Director of the Tomaqua Community Arts Center taking part in the major activity in relationship to the arts and social cohesion in Tamaqua. We hope you'll join us. If you have questions, you can call one 408 9842 to ask a question, put it on the answering machine, and that's the way you get involved in the show. And we hope if you have an interest in the arts and community, This will be a good show to watch, and the wonderful guests will keep us informed and help us know what's happening here, but also how what's happening here can inform and serve as a model for other places around the country, and that's something to be very pleased about. For more information, wvia.org, wvia.org, and you can learn all about tonight's show there, WVIA.org, and it's WVIA-TV at 7, but don't forget we also stream live online. I'm an authority. Read between.